You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Hey investors, Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest and fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We love to keep up to date with what's going on in the GTA and as we're watching and protecting your local real estate portfolio, that is important. But what about if we wanted to invest in the US? And I'll be the first to admit, I have no idea what's going on down there. Although I got my real estate license and I'm familiar locally, the US, that's a different can of worms. So today on our show, Glenn Sutherland is joining us. He is a podcast host that talks about this very subject called a Canadian investing in the US, believe it or not. And we talk about today on our show, the differences in everything from property taxes to what you can write off on your taxes, the difference in purchase prices and how to find deals and considerations and setup and how to do your reporting, a whole bunch of stuff, really an intro, a teaser, if you've ever thought about what it could look like to invest in the United States and how to go about thinking and making the decision to do that. We had a great chat. I know I learned a bunch and hopefully you get value out of this show you can jump over to Glenn's podcast and support him, but please support this episode. You can share it on Instagram, tag us at Watson Estates, hit the like button, leave us a comment if you have a question for myself or Glenn and enjoy the show. Glenn, thanks for joining us on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good yeah. answer. Hopefully our listeners are doing great too. And I am uh, I'm excited to have this chat with you. You're going to teach us a lot. I, I can already I feel so. it. Thank you for having me on the show also. So, so let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We're going we're gonna to dive into the U.S. I, as an ill-informed investor, as it relates to the United States, am very interested in hearing the, the reasons why someone would venture south of the border. And we're going to go that way. But I want to kind of get some context. Maybe people can resonate with your story and, and where you've come from as you've started in Canada and worked your way down. Yeah, sure. So we're going to start back at the start. I did start... Uh, you know, I think like most people and started investing in my backyard. So um, I used to live in Kitchener and then I moved to Cambridge and now I live outside of Waterloo. So in that sort of range around there. So I started with buying some properties in right on the Waterloo, Kitchener, Waterloo border um, up off of uh, Fisher Holland. Um, so anyway, I bought some properties over there. Uh, I moved to Cambridge. I started investing in semi-detached uh, townhouses uh, and, and some duplexes there. Uh, I built up my portfolio had an amazing tenant. Uh, they did all kinds of repairs on their own, uh, replaced the stove on their own without telling me, <laughs> they replaced the hood range, like just one of those amazing tenants, painted the house a couple of times because they didn't like the color. Um, anyway, they were, they were moving and they decided to move, uh, for me, at least at the time, was considered a distance, right? They were going over to Strathroy, which is the other side of London. Um, and I asked them, do you have a place to live uh, over there? Like, where are you going? Because they had a job opportunity. And... They didn't. So I bought them a place there and continued doing the rental thing. And it was the thing that gave me the confidence to go farther, to go with the, the distance. And, and then at the time, if you want to go back in the podcasting world, uh, like seven years ago, um, seven years ago, there wasn't the same Canadian content that there is now. Um, a lot of the big podcasters, um, they're still out there. They still exist, but it was American content. And I, I ate it up. I like I, I was into it. I was writing notes um, and to find information about for a Canadian to do this, you had to really piece it together. Like there wasn't 
there wasn't my show to just say, this is what to do. Um, it was a lot of just trying to read between the lines and setting up corporations and stuff was a mess because I wasn't really sure how I should do it the proper way as a Canadian. Um, but I, anyway, I, I fiddled through all that, felt I was confident enough, went into the US, uh, bought a place in Alabama, and then a place in Indianapolis and two in Kansas City. Uh, and that was how the first year went. And then it, uh, and those were basically turnkey properties. And after that, I was like, you know what, we got to do this the proper way. Like, um, you know, if you, anyone knows real estate, you make your money when you buy and you make your money when you create value by doing renovations and forcing appreciation somewhere through the thing, right? So additions uh, and renovations. So I started, I changed it. Um, I talked to some of my team that I had already set up and then figured out what their strengths are, what they could go, how far they could go, what types of renovations they could do. Um, and we started expanding and I started doing burrs in Alabama. And we went and did a burr and then we did another burr. And what the main thing with all of this, if you, before you start bringing in people is proof of concept. So what I did first was I got a bunch of them done, fully renovated, full refis, figured out the banking system, figured out everything. And then I started feeling confident to bring in partners. And that's where it really explodes, right? You, you start, uh, uh, especially when you have a, a niche of being the, the Canadian investing in the US that you can start bringing in people. Uh, we went from doing you know four or five projects a year. Uh, now we're doing, well, we're recording this at the very start of February. And so far I have a sale today and five purchases so far in 2022. So just to give you an idea how fast we're moving now, uh, it's getting close to about a, a, a purchase every week, uh, at least right now. <laughs> so um, now when did, you, when did you first dive into the States? So you say you purchased these properties in that first year. What year was that? I'm just curious from a timeline standpoint. Uh, probably five years ago. So it's not five like a, a long time ago. Like I was a Canadian investor investing in Canada before that. Right. Yeah. So I've been doing like investing for like 12 or 13 years, but right. the US stuff has only been about five. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Like even 10 years ago, the content was very motivational and inspirational coming out of the U S as it relates to real estate investing, but definitely not specific. Um, no. even specific for Canada, Canadians investing in Canada. And, and there's, I get, um, for our audience, that doesn't know, I get requests for guests constantly. And I have a lot of folks in the United States constantly trying to tap into the Toronto market and reach out. What I love about what you're doing, Glenn, is you know what we're doing and you've gone through that process of transitioning into the U S. So that's why I think it's so unique here and why, why I wanted to bring you on. Because obviously there's some unique things here that you've probably had ups and downs exploring and now you've come a long way. You've got a podcast where people can get more info, but really I want our show to be an opportunity to give people a taste and, and yeah. myself included in understanding I'm, I'm watching a lot of investors. Maybe you're one of the, um, the, the cheerleaders for this, but there's a big movement right now, people moving into the United States and this will hopefully be an opportunity to explain why that is. So that people, if they want to add it into their portfolio, they, they know where to start. Um, yeah. So I guess since you obviously have a lot, you're doing joint ventures. Do you, do you also assist people who are doing it on their own? If like, yes. where would you recommend someone starts as they look to invest in, in the U S like what, what is point number one, apart from connecting with your podcast, what can someone do to uh, really get going and, and learn more? Right. Um, well, 
like you said, connect with my podcast. If you want to shortcut the podcast, because there's hundreds of episodes, anything on the hundred are reviews of the previous hundred. So if you want to go to episode 100 or episode 200, you can sum it up. And I literally am trying to share this all. Um, I do provide coaching, which goes, and it's actually the cheapest coaching I think that exists in the world. Um, <laughs> I don't charge much for that. <laughs> well, there's a plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, if like for where you're going to go in the States, it's all about like getting down there, understanding what you're doing, uh, figuring out what market you're going to go into. Um, and a lot of it, it's like uh, people go, well, I want, you know, I want Florida. That's what, that's the most common thing here is I want Florida. And then you go, why do you want Florida? Right. And they don't know. So I think the first part is to figure out why are you even leaving Canada to even explore the U S so is it, you want like the sunshine? Um, you know, you want to have one of those Airbnbs down in Florida. Sure. That's, that's a good reason to go. Right. Um, is it that you've had trouble with the landlord tenant board and you're just sick of waiting six months to get into court, right. To, to settle these things out. Well, then maybe you pick a state that you don't have to deal with that. Maybe you want to pick a state where they can do an eviction in two or three weeks, right. Where you know, from the first of the month, they're late. You're giving them notice on the third, you're doing the eviction on the 15th and before the end of the month, the place is empty and you can start over with someone else. It's depending. I think it's really figuring out what, why, why are you doing this? Is it the purchase price, right? There's certain people like a lot of places they go into Toronto or even Kitchener Waterloo, for instance. And um, the stuff I'm buying in the States is the purchase price is similar to or less than what you pay as a deposit to buy a property. Um, wow. I often do my things with no financing on purchase. And then I do, um, you can do, you can do fix and flip loans at 90% leverage, but often I do cash purchases and then we do a refinance in the States, right? Uh, to do it. And you go, why would you do that? Because a lot of times the purchase prices can be, thinking about the ones, everything we've bought this year has been under $50,000, right? Sometimes they have $80,000 renovation. Sometimes they have a $20,000 renovation. Well, we're talking about different types of numbers altogether. And a lot of people are going to go, can you actually make money on these little cheapies? Um, and yeah, you can. And it's uh, a lot of it is thinking about your rent to value ratios for rent, right? So a lot of times I'm looking for around the 2% rule. So if I'm all in it for a project at say $50,000, I want to make sure it rented for $1,000 a month, right? And people go, does that really exist? It totally does. <laughs> it totally does. Um, so you just have to figure out what you're doing and then go for it. Um, there's a lot of different advantages. There's also disadvantages to the state. So before we get into those, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this, sure, I, I like I this line of, I like this line of thinking you have here. Because uh, I guess my first thinking would be, well, I need to learn the laws of the U.S. and the rules of the U.S. But it's interesting you're saying, no, pick the spot first. And I think that that's good advice. I'm curious, are there any other, what are some of the more common reasons? Uh, obviously, you mentioned price. You mentioned yeah. tenant laws. What are some of, and maybe this will speak a little bit to some of the advantages, but what are some of the, when when you first sit down with an investor, are the reasons that people are looking before they get to know any of the kind of the material differences, just the reasons why they consider the US. And maybe those are the only ones, but I'm just kind of curious what you hear out there. Uh, I think it's a lot of those same things, right? Like um, low property taxes, low purchase prices is the big one. Um, uh, a lot of people 
are maxed out of what they, even what the banks will give them. That was one of the big reasons I went to the United States is I had, I think, seven rental properties in Canada and the banks are like, you're done. Um, and by switching banking systems, you can, um, some, you could, depending on which kind of lending you're doing, you can start over, right? You can start your number list over again. So um, typically it's like a 10 max, right? Um, you go into the, you want to use Canadian lending in the States, um, like the RBC, TD, National, Desjardins, BMO, they're all down in the US, right? Um, they are going to count your Canadian properties. But if you go into the American lending system, then you, they will not, they're not going to be counting your current properties. So you could start over your list. And what's happening is a lot of times you're, it's almost like um, it's asset-based lending and it's more based on what the property is and not on you. So what kind of, how good are you a uh, deal hunter? Are you that's, right? so that's coast to coast in the States. That's a, that's a common theme down there. Yes. And so it's more considered similar to like commercial lending if wow. you're in Canada, right? So the interest rates are going to be a little high. And that's going to be the biggest ticket shock is the yeah. interest rates because our interest rates in Canada are so low. <laughs> They're so low. You're, it, it's, that's the biggest thing that you look at that and you go, Whoa. So let's, let's put it into, let's put it into context then, because you've obviously got stuff going on right now. So residential, we're floating in the high twos, low threes right now for five-year fixed. What, yeah. what are you seeing right now in the U.S.? Uh, it depends which lender you're using and how the program goes. And if you're personally guaranteeing the loan or not, but you could be in like the mid fours, um, my refinance, and these are refinance. So maybe I should back up a step. I'm talking refinance rates. Because refinance rates are different than purchase rates and purchase rates are different than uh, like a fix and flip rate because, you know, there's all different levels of risk and all sure. lending is based on risk. <laughs> sure. So I guess the trade-off is even though your lending cost is higher, your money goes miles, miles further. And so oh, people yeah. aren't even looking at that bottom number because it's got a flexibility coming out of Canada. What I, what I find interesting about that point is a lot of people in and myself included is you you max out on the number of properties you have with your typical banks and then you're you're left with either commercial or joint ventures. What yeah. this actually allows is a third option which is go outside of the border and now you can continue to do what you're doing if yeah. if you want to maintain that kind of sole ownership in in just in a different world and continue without having to really change your investment strategy. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it is very cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it depends where you're going too, right? Because um, depending on how much money you have, um, you know, some markets you go into are going to be just as expensive as Ontario, right? For instance, like we're both sitting in Ontario. So I'm going to use that as a reference. So uh, it's all about deciding where you want to go. Like yeah. if you're going to go into New York, New York or California, you, it's no different than Ontario. The, yeah. uh, uh, it's going to be... Uh, tenant-friendly laws and expensive properties. So. <laughs> so as you figured this out, what were some of the big um, shocks? I mean, I think we got a couple of them already, but what are some of the big shocks now that you're in the US where you're like really recognizing Canadians aren't benefiting from some of what you're able to accomplish in the US? What would be those ones that jump out at you as like, this is why I love investing in the States? Biggest shocks, like good shocks. Like saying. opportunities opportunities yeah. that you have down there well i think one of the big things that i found which is in, in, indirect opportunity is whenever i was doing like fix and flips in cambridge when i was doing those 
I was on site all the time. And what it forces you to do, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to learn how to get other people to work for you. And you're going to have to, you're going to be forced to learn to trust people and vet people better and go through, like have build a system for taking on a new contractor and all this stuff. So it, it what it did was compared to when I was doing this in Ontario, it was eating up my time and I could only do so many projects because I only had so much time. Right. And I was basically turned myself into the GC. But by doing this in the US, uh, you can hire, you will be forced to hire a GC. You will be forced to hire property managers. You will not be managing these yourself. I don't advise it anyway. Um, you're going to be forced to build the whole team out. You're going to get attorneys to do the evictions for you. You're, you're going to build the whole thing out. And it, it, it's one of those things that a lot of people slack off on because myself included is you're like, I can do this. I can yeah. do this. I can show up to the, the court dates. I can show up. I can do run the property management. And whenever you start to farm all of these things off of your plate, it's amazing what you start having time and you're like, well, what am I going to do with my time? I'm going to spend my time finding more deals. Yeah. And high, high <laughs> income activities. Yeah, exactly. And so it, it's, and it's then it roller coasters. And before you know it, you don't need a job anymore. You, you're, you've outpaced your own job, which I honestly, um, I probably still would be working if I was doing it in Canada, just because I could only afford, I did everything myself in Canada and I could only afford to do so many projects at a time myself by stretching myself into another market, it forced me to set up these things and I can work at lower amounts of money required to do these projects. I still do some myself too, right? I, I definitely hear that. I think a big component if in defense of people who find themselves in that scenario is one is the, the returns are a, not nearly a 2% rule, <laughs> right? So in Canada and Ontario specifically, you're almost forced to do it for the sake of maintaining a profit. So you kind of have to build it into your, your day-to-day tasks, obviously moving into the U S or maybe some other markets in Ontario. I don't even know if I, I, I guess if I was going to start to go too far personally, I would, I would actually consider the U S cause I mean, I think there's maybe more opportunities from a, from a price standpoint, from a cash flow standpoint in, in the U S but when you walk into that market, now you recognize there is like, you can have a partner, you can have a property management company and still be able to give a better result, a better cash flow to your investor than you could ever do here. Um, so so I, I can see that side. One of the other things that we hear of as Canadians in the US is all like, there's obviously big difference in the banking systems and the protections that homeowners have for their properties. You obviously haven't been there since 2008, but have you tapped into or started to educate yourself on other ways to get quote unquote deals in the US that we would never see in Canada um, and include those in your business? Or do you find that you don't even have to do that? It's just, it seems to be so lucrative on MLS. No. So you, I do buy some properties from the MLS, but it um, honestly, whenever I'm working off the MLS, I'm typically buying a short sale or foreclosure or uh, one of those type properties. Um, I did buy so far one this year off of the MLS, but it's usually, it, it is, see, anytime you're looking for deals, the fewer eyes that have seen it, the likelihood it is a deal. So I mostly work with wholesalers. Yes, there's tons of wholesalers in Canada now too. It's really taken off. Um, but that, that is where I get most of my deals is through wholesalers. 
it uh, and for sale by owner, like a lot of these strategies you can use in either country. Yeah. Um, if you're going to do a whole be wholesaler, like a whole, sorry, to talk. If I if you want to be a wholesaler uh, in the U.S. compared to Canada, or you want to talk to um, people directly to try and get your own leads, um, it is a little bit easier. Um, they don't have the same privacy laws in the United States. So if you want to target, you know, people who just got a divorce, you can pull a list for that. People who uh, are behind on their taxes, people who are behind on their mortgages, whatever, anything that it's all public record and you can pull lists based on all this stuff and get in, not have to mail an entire city. You could mail specific people in the city. Um, whereas in Canada, we don't have those which is, there's a plus and a minus side. We have a lot more privacy, which is is good, right? Um, yeah. So what was the original question? Um, like what was the, some of the- More so where to get deals, but I mean, it's cool to still learn that um, you, can, you can find whether you're looking for real estate for divorces yeah. or if you're trying to pick up some single moms that there's a platform to do that in the United <laughs> States. That's still beneficial, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there, there was multiple places to get this. Like typically, you know, the MLS, everyone knows the MLS. Um, pocket listing. So if you can get in with a realtor who is um, doing, is like the big guy for that, yeah. you know, maybe the broker and get the ones that he, it's a lot of times you talk to Keller Williams or Remax, they usually shop them inside before they send them out. And that might be a way to see it before it hits some MLS. Um, you can buy turnkey properties. Like I said, off the start, you make most of your money on the buys and you make most of your money on the refis or on the renovations. And you're giving that to the turnkey operator with those. Uh, you buy from a wholesaler. That's what I typically do because um, I want to try and get to the top of that wholesaler's list. I don't want to be part of the main group. Um, maybe I'll go on a side tangent. If you want to be on the top, you can do this in Canada too. If you want to be on the top of a wholesaler's list, you give them a criteria about what you want to buy, right? You tell them exactly what you're looking to buy, where you're looking to buy. It's a 3-1 or a 3-2 in this area. I want these price points. I want this sort of numbers of discount off of uh, the ARV and all the stuff. And then the, the big trick to all this, well, they'll send you stuff and you give them feedback about where they're off on. But the big trick is whenever they send you one, you buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't- I was hoping you'd say that. I was hoping that was what you were gonna say. <laughs> and if you can't buy it for whatever reason, if you aren't at the capability to buy it, Show it to a friend and let them buy it because it still moves you up the list because now that wholesaler knows you as someone who closes deals or can close deals for them. And what wholesalers don't want to do is email blast 10,000 people, get 4,000 people to give follow-up questions and spend weeks just answering questions. They'd yeah. rather work with a few people that are closers. And you can make yourself a closer just by being a middleman to show it to somebody else even if you get a commission or not, it doesn't matter. You're moving yourself up the list. Um, that's the number one tip. And a lot of people are wondering how I got these deals because they look on the MLS and they're like, you can't find anything for seven grand or 10 grand or some of these properties we're buying. That's how I did it as I just keep buying them. <laughs> you yeah, you, you fulfill them. your end of the deal. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to my list um, where you can buy from short sales and foreclosures. Um, so there's more opportunity for those. They are more discounted in the United States. And for people who don't know, they did a foreclosure memorandum for about a year and it, it finally expired in the fall 
this last year in 2021. So a foreclosure takes about six months to a year to go through the whole court process and actually list the property as a foreclosure. Well, guess what we're hitting in right now? We're getting into that close to that six month mark and they're starting to trickle into the MLS. And there's going to be a huge opportunity in the United States over this summer because they're going to flood the market with these foreclosures. Normally, these big institutional buyers will take all these up. But as a Canadian, as anyone new, there's going to be opportunity to find these. And where are they located? They are on the MLS. They are listed properties. It takes a little bit more work to find them. But there is a lot of opportunity coming for these yeah. things. Good um, advice. And it, yeah, then tax deeds, tax liens for sale by owner. The same, yeah. same sort of stuff. You can do all this stuff almost in both countries. Well, <laughs> the, the big thing is there's a lot of money in Ontario and especially out of the GTA and to the, to the shock of a lot of people, even in Western and Eastern Canada, but even more so in the US. So you might feel like, you know, I can't keep up with the, the speed of the wholesaler in Ontario. Well, you can in, in some of these markets in the United States. So maybe that will give a little bit of excitement and energy to some investors that have a lot of money, but are feeling poor in order to get into, to get into the market. Now you mentioned quickly, and I want to get into this too, is that the, um, the taxes are lower in the United States. Can you share with us what that looks like? So there's two different ways to talk about taxes. So the property taxes, and that is going to be like state specific. And, and it's just, you got to almost think of it the same way as you're, if you're going to compare Kitchener-Waterloo to Toronto, for instance. And, you know, you could look strictly based on the rate that they're charging, percentage of the uh, assessed value. But guess what? Some places, just like Toronto, they don't move their assessed value up very fast. So I have friends in Toronto that are living in $2 million houses that their house is assessed at $200,000 or $300,000, right? Um, and the same thing you can apply to the states, right? So by finding markets where the assessed values are very low, it you can get very cheap property taxes. My four bedroom places in Alabama, 2,000 square feet, the property tax is like $500 a year. So- Ooh. Property tax, there's places that property taxes are very low, right? And then there's the other side of income taxes. So when you're filing your income taxes at the end of the year, what the big difference is, is the way you can write stuff off. For instance, in Canada, you write off the interest on your mortgage. In the US, you write off the interest and the principal on your mortgage. It doesn't make sense to keep properties in cash for the write-offs of Principal. Principal is your own money getting given back to you, basically. And okay, wait, wait, pause, run. pause, pause, pause. Yeah. I'm an idiot when it comes to U.S. investing, okay? Forgive me for the recap. <laughs> you can deduct the interest and principal payments on your mortgage in U.S. properties? Yes. Yep. Well, there's um, that's a shock. When I asked you earlier about shocks, that was the one you should have said. Uh, that's incredible. Said I yeah. love it. Okay, what else you got? Keep talking about Amortization taxes. schedule is shorter. I believe it's 27 and a half years. So if you want to write off your renovations, and it all depends on which uh, CCA amortization schedule you're working on, yeah. but um, they, they, there is, they're shorter, right? You can but write you can off get faster reduction CCA. Yeah. yeah. You're writing off more of your principal residence every year. You're writing off your renovations faster every year. That's a tax question, by the way, guys, talk to your accountants. Let's not get into CCA and amortization like that. Yes. Let's not go there, yes. but, but that's interesting. <laughs> that's very, very... So when you set this up, you're going to pay taxes in the U.S. first. You're going to get a summary piece of paper 
and you're gonna hand that to your Canadian CPA or it's just like a T4 sheet. It just has boxes and numbers. You enter the boxes yourself, you do your taxes yourself, which I don't do. But, but if you did, you, it, that's all you have to do. Um, and the likelihood is Canada Revenue is gonna ask for more money than the IRS because the, the tax, the interest rates are lower in the US than Canada. And they're gonna treat the property, like I, the Canada Revenue Agency is gonna look at this property, pretend it's located in Canada. They'll tax you appropriately. What they would do is this stuff as if it was in Canada, and then they'll deduct off what taxes you paid in the U.S. because there's a tax treaty. So, so from you, a from a reporting standpoint, you end up at ground zero. You're not getting the American cheaper taxes because you end up paying it to the CRA. Yeah, basically. Now, so but from a from a deductions that you're getting in the U.S. So these deductions you get for the equity pay down, principal pay down, and interest does that get clawed back by the Canadian government? That's a good question. I have to ask my Canadian CPA. Because that would knock out that whole opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it would. And there's a lot of things like that, like in the yeah, States, yeah, they have 31 yeah. exchanges, and it just, it, it stuff gets clawed back. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what are some of the other risks uh, that you, and how do we overcome them, that you've seen investing in the U.S.? The big one, because people contact me all the time. Um, I haven't done this because I'm, I, I give small amounts to contractors. I don't let contractors have huge budgets to of my money. <laughs> I give them for I pay them for work that's completed and a deposit to start. But the big thing I hear is people they talk to a new contractor and the contractor's like, "Hey, this is going to be a forty thousand or fifty thousand dollar project," and they go and wire them fifty thousand dollars. You've taken away all the motivation for this contractor to actually do the work. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. So that's a big thing I hear is people giving people money that they shouldn't have given money to. Um, and with all of these things, people go, Glenn, you haven't been to the States before COVID. And so is it, is it safe to just buy all these houses without seeing them? And yes, it's okay to buy them without me seeing them. But somebody that I know and trust has seen these properties. And it's, if it's a new place, I'm going to get multiple contractors through if it's um, one of my experienced contracts I work with all the time, I sometimes I'll be happy with one contractor. But all of your stuff, there's all of these online apps and everything. Everything needs to be verified by a professional. You can run your ARV from all kinds of apps and you can pull your own comps. But if you want to be flipping this property, you might want to run it by a realtor. The person who is going to sell this property, can you actually do this? If you're pulling your rent comps, you want to run it by your property manager. Can you actually rent it for this amount? And your contractor, is the renovation going to be this much, right? Yeah. So you, you have to check these things. Um, and that's the things, those are the big steps I hear people skipping all the time because you get into markets where it is hot, right? And there is still markets where they're just like Ontario, where they're doing the multi-bid or multi, the, you, know, the, you know, competing for these offers and the wholesalers are working really fast and people skip steps. And I always say it's better to continue to do your due diligence correctly and lose a few than lose your shirt on the first one. It's good advice. to still check everything. Yeah. Now you're doing burr buy and hold generally in the US, what I'm hearing. Uh, I do about uh, one quarter of them I do as a flip. Um, and then I, I buy and hold for the other ones. Typically I do lease options or flips on single family and which the lease options are rent to own. And yeah. on the, I do typical traditional burrs on the, the two, the duplexes and fourplexes, and I don't buy three, 
Triplexes. Yeah. So you got a lot going on, Glenn. And uh, I think this has been, for me, I've learned quite a bit. Uh, I hope our audience has as well. You have a podcast. Tell us about that podcast. It's called the Canadian Investing in the U.S. Uh, I, it's an interview show. Um, I don't let my guests off the hook. So I make sure that they're telling, teaching something or I pry into them to teach stuff. Um, so it's all about Canadians investing in the U.S. Um, YouTube uh, is, it has some people listen to it on YouTube, but mostly uh, an audio podcast. So all the regular platforms, it's out there. And yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's very helpful. I've got lots of compliments because we are trying to teach. We're not trying to yeah. uh, sugarcoat the whole thing. Uh, and then you have to buy a coaching program or anything like that. Uh, I did the podcast for, I've done four years now and I had no way of monetizing it at all for like three years. So I just did it and it was just giving. So um, there's a lot of value in, in the and show. And you did mention uh, the cheapest coaching program on the market. Where can people yeah. find information on that? It's glensutherland.com slash coaching. Um, if you're interested or just give me a call. No. If it's something quick and easy, I'll help you. But what it usually leads down to is I'm like, this is a two hour conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll give you the Coles notes. I, I am willing to help people. Um, but there is a, there's a lot more to this and I'm happy to refer you to people. No doubt. No doubt. I, I anticipate Glenn, you're going to get a lot of messages and DMS. Uh, I hope our audience, if they have any interest peaked in investing in the United States, I know a lot of the guests you've had on the show, we too have had not speaking about the U S but it'd be cool to get that angle. And I hope our audience jumps over and supports your show. They leave you ratings and reviews that are adequate for the content that you're putting in. And, uh, but this has been a good chat and I really appreciate you taking the time. If, if our, our listeners, I really hope share this uh, on Instagram, they can tag us at Watson Estates as well, or um, yeah, leave us a like or comment. Same with you. We get most of our downloads through audio, but we post it for our YouTube listeners, which we love as well. But uh, Glenn, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. And we look forward to watching some of the uh, cool stuff you got going on in the U S and maybe learning some more over on your podcast. Thank you for having me on the show. This was great.